But he said ultimately what he believed it was about was the pastors at the time recognizing that their congregations needed a shepherd. They needed a personal shepherd who would care for them more than the system, more than you know the, the big the big church, the hierarchy, all of that. That what the Reformation was really about, what really sustained it and got it going, was suddenly pastors would turn back towards the congregation, love on them, shepherd them, and, and the people could hear the gospel, could hear the word, get cared for personally, and have that uh, intimate, authentic relationship. And I think that's probably if we're gonna have any other kind of reformation in this. Uh, post Mars Hill mm. podcast church, you know this world that we're living in. Maybe that's just it. It it needs to be a turning of the congregation from whatever they were turned towards, and the pastor from whatever he was turned toward, back towards each other, so that they can move, like you said, as a group together forward until they hit the dirt. Yeah. Mm. Man, woo, it's a lot. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Faith. I am Lewis Dooley. This is my brother in Christ, Sam Key. All right. What's up, my brother? Not much. It's uh, it's nighttime here, or evening here. It is, man. It's a little chilly, man. It's below 70 degrees, yeah. so I got to put the old hoodie yeah. on. Yep. I had to put the old hoodie on, too. I see that, man. We kind of got the magic hoodies. <laughs> this was not rehearsed, in case you were thinking we didn't plan this. Um, but welcome to another episode. I know you guys have been waiting. Things that pastors which things that pastors <laughs> want the congregation to know. Man, I get tongue tied sometimes. Them W words back to back to back. My my have the how the tables have turned. The right? tables have turned, man. So look, um, we thank you guys for joining us. Hopefully you enjoyed our last little mini series on things uh, the congregation wish the pastors knew. I really like that. There was a ton of stuff. Um, hope you guys got some value out of that. Today we're going to be talking about something different. But before we begin, I just want to thank the Bumper Sticker Faith crew, right. our Triple Life members. I don't know if we got any double or single lifers out there, but thank you for the members uh, for helping us to be able to get actual bumper stickers. So if you want an actual BS sticker to put on your car, maybe you'll feel like that's not very Christ-like. It's bumper sticker. Come on, get over yourself. So we got some bumper stickers for bumper sticker faith. Um, if you got some hate mail for us, man, we welcome hate mail. Bumper sticker faith at gmail.com. At hatemail.com. And hatemail.com. <laughs> man, well, that might go straight to the wastebasket. <laughs> I didn't know we had a hatemail.com. But anyway, I'm going to shut up because this topic here, I feel like my brother Sam, this is 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 your thing to like lead us through. So Sam. Take it away. Like I said, the tables have turned. We spent some time talking about things the congregation wish the pastors knew, but now some pastors have answered the survey and responded with things that they wish the congregation knew. Mm, Now, are we uniquely qualified to talk about this? 
Well, <laughs> because of all the degrees I have. Some people went to... I'm very, very qualified. <laughs> Some people went to Penn State. You went to the state pen. <laughs> That's right. I've been to the state. I graduated from state. That's right. Which state? The penitentiary. All uh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I have been a pastor. You know, not a very successful one, but I've been a, um, a pastor. And you've been in ministry training, though. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm and in, you're and you're in uh, you're in ministry too uh, uh, to this day, and so I think we have a little bit of insight that we could offer. But the main thing that we want to do is read some of these and uh, see where the pastors are are coming from. All right. So we got a list here. Let's start with this one. Number one. This uh, pastor says, we work more than one hour a week. Uno, I'm holding up one finger in case you're <laughs> listening and not watching. And if you're not watching and listening, you need to watch so you can see my antics. <laughs> now, why would this pastor ever write this? I mean, isn't it assumed that they work more than one hour a week? Well, a lot of people evidently don't think so. <laughs> a, lot don't of people, a lot of people question. And uh, actually, as a pastor, I, I heard that. I heard that a lot. I, I heard people asking quite a bit, like, what do you do all week? And even even now that I'm not a pastor, I'm in a church, I still hear, hear congregation members asking the pastors or asking each other, like, what does he do all week? Does he do anything at all? So this guy wants us to know we work more than one hour a week. And as I was, uh, as I was coming here today, I thought, hmm, it might be helpful to outline a little bit about a pastor's schedule mm. you know so to give people the inside scoop the scoop hot is. the hot take scoop so, away. so as a pastor they you're kind of encouraged to divide your week up into thirds as you think about it so a third devoted to administrative stuff a third devoted to people being around people and then a third to like preparation sermon preparation so a third a third a third all right sounds easy enough uh, well, there's a lot of things underneath each of those categories, so let me just go through some of the things in no particular order. So as a pastor, you have to take care of budgets. All that has to do with budgets, setting budgets, maintaining budgets, fundraising that goes into the budgets, you know, raising money, all of that. You have your direct reports, people that report to you, and you have to maintain them, hold them accountable uh, to their job descriptions, help them set goals help them deal with past things, hold them accountable for present spiritual things, whatever. You have emails, tons of emails you got to go through. All the people are don't always Don't you have emailing. assistance for that, though? Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But you you have you're in charge of it all, so ultimately it goes through you and you have to in some way uh, deal with it. Um, community engagement. Being involved in your community. Uh, events events in the churches, coffee houses, any kind of events, getting prepared, getting the things for the events. Where are you going to get the round tables from? Where are you going to get the uh, dishes, anything for events? Where are you going to get that stuff? The food, the planning, outreach projects. So actually evangelism outreach project, deciding all those. Branding issues, dealing with vision, purpose. How about if you're over classes, like adult classes, student classes, kids classes? Where are you going to get the teachers from, planning them, curriculum? Where are you going to get the rooms for them? Is it set up? Is there going to be tables, coffee, of it? all of that you have, you're in charge of? Life groups or small groups. Training up leaders. Again, curriculum, holding people accountable. 
I'm just flying over these. There's a lot to each of wow. these. So worship service planning, everything that goes on on a Sunday, choosing who's you know who and when and what, how they do it, how long, training, all that. Worship service planning, sermons. You have to write your sermons at least 20 hours a week. If you're not spending at least 20 hours a week preparing for your sermons, then you're probably not doing a very good job. So usually it's more than that. Coming up with a sermon series. What about a Bible reading help or a Bible reading plan for the whole church? Keeping them on that. Counseling. Lots of counseling that you do. People coming in uh, uh, your office wanting you know advice, counseling, wisdom, heartbreaks in life, all of that. Dealing with your volunteer teams. Finding volunteers. Training. Maintaining them. The volunteer meetings. A personal mentoring. One-on-one with people. How about you getting personally mentored by someone else? Keep you uh, on track. Staff meetings. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into staff meetings. Leave it at that. Uh, keeping the whole staff on, on, on the same page. How about some uh, pastoral duties? Like doing weddings, doing funerals, doing births. Putting out church fires. Sometimes literally <laughs> church fires. But all the crisis, crisis intervention in the church. Uh, <laughs> some, that sounds like a lot. There, it sounds like you got there, a lot more, but it sounds like you go on forever. I, that, that's, that's not even half. Wow. Not even half. Wow. Baptisms, facilities you have to deal with, uh, bonding group events, elder meetings, core elder meetings, like 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 the top three in the elders, youth ministry, children ministry things, parents meeting with uh, families, meeting with parents, activities, leaderships, if you're involved in any kind of catechisms, newsletters, communications, websites, marketing, hospital visits, home visits, lunch visits, coffees, missions teams, outreach, national trips, local trips, global trips, denominational obligations, going to conferences, dealing with outside groups, your own personal learning so you can keep up with cultural events. And how about, just to throw in one last one, uh, uh, ecumenical work with other churches in your community. Man, look, if anybody (laughs) just listened to all of that and you were thinking God might be calling you to be a pastor, try not to listen to what Sam just said, let that scare you. (laughs) <laughs> that's scary that scary that's yeah. a lot yeah and like within each of those the, there's a whole world within each of those I bust over a lot of them oh yeah and you may say well how often do you really deal with all of those in one week all the time it's all the time you're dealing with all of those they're all spinning plates man, in your head so that's crazy man so for the first one the first the first first fellow uh, who said we work more than one hour a week so there you go that was for you you stood up for that person, boy. Yeah, I did. Straight up, they ought to, they ought to like salute you right now because you just did them good, boy. Okay, what's the next one? All right, got? number two. Uh, as hard as we try, this person says, as hard as we try to minimize sin in our lives personally, we still mess up. Mm. All right. So that person. That's real. Yeah. That guy wants you to know that he tries to minimize sin, uh, but they still mess up. They're real people. Pastors are real people. Yeah, and I, it's unfortunate to me that pastors let me first by saying this everything we're gonna read today i can validate that this is real people's experience and their thoughts and what they've gone through however most if not all of this stuff i can't relate to some of it i can Mm -hmm. most of it i can't and um it just i read through this list and i was kind of sad and i was like dang man like this this shouldn't be like this, mm-hmm. you know. But just because I say it shouldn't be like this, don't mean it just erases mm-hmm. all this stuff mm-hmm. from being true. But I, you know, when I see number two, it just makes me think about 
an ungracious and judgmental congregation. Mm -hmm. Now, either that's true or it's all in the person's head. Yeah. yeah. You know, or maybe a little bit of yeah. both. Well, it's interesting. The past three episodes, we went through things that congregation members want to know about their pastor. And they said over and over, what? We, we want to hear your struggles. Yeah. We, we want to know hear. about yeah. your sin, that you're yep. weak, and that you're saying, a person. We can't, well, we haven't got to that one yet, but yeah. 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 We shouldn't get, we'll, we'll keep going. <laughs> Number but yeah, three. but oh. they they want us to know they still myself. Absolutely, yep, yep. and that's good. And I and I see that, and I have compassion towards yeah. anybody that's in leadership in the church because I'm I'm in leadership in the ministry. So I understand, man. Yeah. There's there's an expectation, and a lot of times, mm -hmm. an often unfair expectation that people have of you just because you're in a, a leadership position yeah. that you have to be perfect. Yeah. Let me give one example. Mm -hmm. All right. So I was talking with someone about this topic this week. Okay, and. I was I was sharing how, according to the congregation's perspective, they want their pastors to be more vulnerable and share more about their sin. But this person, who was a congregation member himself, said he 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 questioned that and he said, "Now I know we say that, but do we really want to know what our pastor's sin is? Like, is that do we really want to?" He says, "So, for instance, I as a congregation member can." can uh, confess before my small group uh, or a class uh, that I lust after uh, women in the church. Okay. He said, what if a pastor said that? How, what if a pastor stood up or even a group and said, on Sundays I lust over women in this church? That wouldn't go so well for that pastor. No, like, it would pe People would not, al although we say we'd be gracious, you really wouldn't be that gracious because we hold him to another standard and and we should and he should be at another standard but that's kind of the that's the tension and i'm not saying either is right or either is wrong but uh pastors are on a different level and they and they have to face different consequences for their confession and their honesty than the average person would yeah you know it's interesting because i was listening to a podcast today by julie roy's mm -hmm. I'm called the Roy's Report, and she had a, a woman on there. I can't remember her name, but she just came out with a book that's talking about. It's got a bunch of stuff it's talking about, but one of the chapters that she talked about was um, sin leveling hmm. and how a lot of church people, when a they say when a person in leadership gets caught up in a, a sinful thing mm -hmm. that. The reformed people's mm -hmm. attitude is, well, we got to be gracious to them, mm -hmm. you know, and then the person messed up, but they had to be gracious. Not a person that they just say, hey, man, I'm sorry. Like, OK, well, OK, you're good. Mm -hmm. You said you were sorry. You you know, you confess to God and you're good. Mm -hmm. And her point of view was that sins aren't all equal. And it's like, man, you know, it's like I, I, I kind of want to agree with both at the mm -hmm. same time, but it don't seem like both can be agreed mm -hmm. upon simultaneously. And um, and then I heard through that podcast and also through another podcast about Matt Chandler, yeah. who was a really big name. Yep. And he just he admitted and came mm -hmm. out about an inappropriate relationship he had just like I think online with someone and said it wasn't yeah. like anything yeah. physical mm -hmm. that happened. But it was deemed by him mm. and the people in his church and uh, the organization he was a leader of that is inappropriate. Mm. So he stepped down and they're mm. not saying he's out, mm. out, but at least for a season, mm. like something needs to be done. Yeah. 
So he was direct messaging another female, and according to what I heard anyways, his wife was in full knowledge. Like, there were several people in full knowledge of this, so it wasn't like he was hiding it. Mm -hmm. um, but it was inappropriate. So again, if the average congregation member did that, I mean, no one would think anything of it, Correct. really. Correct. But him and the position that he was in, it's a different standard. Yeah, yeah. And I get and I guess for me, you you kinda either asked a question or you made a statement before I start talking about this about what if the pastor made this statement mm -hmm. about lusting after women yeah. in the church, yeah. like that wouldn't go well. And my thought was, you know, e even if, and I'm not saying it is, mm -hmm. but even if that wasn't a sin that I'd struggled with, I still have sin I struggle with, and I would feel real. Like that person is really real. I would mm -hmm. feel compassion towards mm -hmm. and it would give me something specific to pray for. Yeah. And it would show the severity in the heart for this mm -hmm. guy to put something like that out there mm -hmm. to be like a cry and a plea help. Yeah. Because what other reason would he put it out there unless he's also announcing after that? And because of this, I'm resigning. Mm -hmm. Then, OK, he's giving his congregation like the reason why. Mm -hmm. And then he's saying I quit instead of just saying I mm -hmm. quit and don't say why. Mm -hmm. But if it's not that. Like I would feel like, wow, like I can get I can get behind a dude yeah. like this. And I would much rather him be like that than to fake it and to pretend like he has things together and doesn't struggle or to hide it even. But uh, why does that happen? I mean, I'm we getting all yeah, the way off time. Let, let, let's what, That's a hot thing though. It is. Like right now where we at it, it started like I think with Bill Hybels and James McDonald, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of years ago, two mm -hmm. separate sins, mm -hmm. but big, polarizing, popular people. Mm -hmm. And then I guess Mark Driscoll even farther years mm -hmm. ago than that. But, yeah. you know, this stuff has been in the light and it's been in the light for mm -hmm. a, a period of time. And people are still being discovered mm -hmm. by the light shining yeah. on them. So we might need to do an episode on this. We might. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I had some thoughts on this, too, on the way here. Like, we talked about uh, Paul and the thorn in his flesh that he had. And, mm -hmm. and in that section of, uh, what's that, Second Corinthians 12? Man, I, don't, don't give me the line. Don't give me the line either. But, but in that passage, uh, and like, here's my point. I don't think things have really changed. Okay. So in that passage of the Corinthians were saying, no, we like Apollos better. We like these other Peter mm -hmm. better because they're strong guys. And Paul, we want you to be a strong preacher and leader and rhetorician also, because that's what they crave. That's what people crave. And Paul's like, okay, you want me to boast? You want me to boast? I'm not going to boast about the fact that I went to heaven, you know, and saw these <laughs> yeah. things. But what I will boast in is my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And then in a litany, he goes on to share all the ways he was weakened and shameful, right? Mm -hmm. And that, like, that's that's counter what people want. Okay, so that that's, I think, the standard. We crave strength. And we don't like it when pastors admit weakness. I don't think times have ever changed. Mm -hmm. I really don't. Now, we have these podcasts like Mars Hill Podcast and, and all of these where people are saying, and our surveys, where people are saying, no, 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 we really crave weaknesses and, re and real and vulnerability. But I don't know if that's true. Well, this Because I, my point is, I think people, we really do crave strong leaders. And that's why people were attracted to Driscoll and some of these others, because they, they want a strong leader. Versus if a guy comes out like Paul and says, here's all the shameful things but, but that that's I because did, my we, weaknesses. But that's because we have a distorted view of what strength is. Yeah. Strength is yeah. not machismo. Yeah. And standing up and yeah. talking loud and yeah. affirming things and, and knowing the word is, is and good. And having it all together. Yeah. But strength is to be able to, to me, vulnerability is strength. Yeah. It's a different type of strength. Yeah. 
you know, and that's the type of that's the type of strength that I didn't grow up with that type of strength in the world, but growing up as a Christian, that's been the type of strength that I felt that Christ modeled and he calls us yeah. to. Humility. That's gospel yes. strength. Yes. So this is part of the solution actually, but we wanna And I and I think this whole idea, like, if a pastor puts this stuff out there, then people because it's one of our topics, but so yeah. oh well. Um people are gonna gossip. Like yeah. maybe some people will. Yep. But we shouldn't like c- convict the whole congregation of being this way. Maybe some people will cuss us out. Yeah. Maybe some people will yeah. stop giving. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Who's in charge of everything? Some will, all the money. Some won't. God, God is yeah. the one that yeah. owns all the money, don't yeah. he? All right, let's keep going on let's this. Let's keep going. And to be fair, too, just like some congregation members will and some won't, some pastors think this way and some don't. Sure. Yep. Okay, this yep. is just That's a right. few. That's right. So, number three. Sometimes we take things more personally than we should. I like I like that that vulnerability in that. Yeah, that's human. Yeah, and when um, like there's a lot of times <laughs> where a congregation member would chew me out. Not a lot of times, several times, and I would just say, "Oh, it doesn't bother me. You just have to have thick skin." Yeah, you can only have thick skin for so long. Well, it, I, it gets to you. It seems like it gets to you. From my experience and very, very, very limited experience yeah. and knowledge, that when you get to doing the enneagram and and strength finders and all these things, right? And you you find these charismatic type people. Like yeah. I'm a I'm a woo. I think uh-huh. on the Enneagram it's like a seven or something. Okay. Right? Or strength finders, like whatever it is, like winning others over, right? And so I'm a charismatic person that's an emotional person and I can swing one way back and forth very quickly. Yeah. And so I'm rah, rah, rah one minute, but if I think somebody don't like me, I'm like wanting to stick my head in a hole in the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's yeah. like we have to, I got to fight yeah, against yeah. that. Yeah. You know, so I can't think that everything is personal mm-hmm. against me. I got to be able to like stand mm-hmm. up, dust mm-hmm. myself off and get back in, mm-hmm. the, in the race. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of pastors that may be very charismatic like that, maybe they have mm-hmm. a similar wiring, yeah. you know, where they like people that are wired this way, they take things mm-hmm. too personally. And a lot of times in the church setting, I found that people will say things to a pastor in a way that they wouldn't say them to anybody else. Yeah. Okay. It's just the truth. Yeah. Like, yep. there's so off, so so many times where I'm sitting there thinking, would you say that to your boss? Would you talk to your husband that way? Like, would you? But oh, they're just okay. like. I was thinking the opposite. No, no. Just, okay, I just got you now. parading, just. <laughs> Yeah, personal attacks, just wow. threats, hmm. threats. That's just flat out disrespect. I know to a to. It shouldn't matter who you're so, talking to, right? Exactly, exactly. That's disrespectful. So people, man. I, I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. They just felt like you could talk to a pastor, and not not just with me, but to other pastors I've seen too. And the, the stories just that I know from being in it. Yeah. So number four, our ultimate, I like this one. This guy wants us to know mm-hmm. our ultimate goal is to glorify God and teach the Bible faithfully. I love it. I love that's it. That's great. So I think that's important to state too because uh, a lot of times in the congregation as a member, you're like, what is he doing? Like, where are we going? Like, mm-hmm. how does it make sense that yeah. we're doing this or doing that? And he wants you to know, it's just, yeah. I, I have the mission in mind. Yeah. And I would like to, like, I, I could see myself if I was the pastor and I make this statement to the congregation, then I would ask a question. 
what is your goal of being here in the church? Mm. You know what I mean? What What's your goal? Yeah. In that. Yeah. So it's not just about me and my goal. You know, you should have a goal mm. too is why you're here. And it shouldn't be the gospel. It shouldn't be mm. to berate me. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be to think ill of me if I do put something mm-hmm. out here that I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like the pastors have a goal. Mm-hmm. Congregations have a goal too. It shouldn't yeah. just be about consuming something. Yeah. It should be respect. And I think most of the time, I think that's great because if you give a congregation member the chance to articulate their goal, they're not going to say something self-serving like, I really wish this youth group was the best for my Johnny in X, Y, and Z way. They would actually articulate, well, we want to do this for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And if they articulate that, then they can see that, okay, if the youth group is doing this and it, it doesn't quite <laughs> go along with what my little Johnny particularly needs that yeah. I can still go along with it and encourage my yeah. little Johnny to do and it. And little Johnny might not be paying attention. He might be the class clown in group. <laughs> yeah. So that's why he ain't getting nothing out so. And maybe that'll help reorient little Johnny. Yeah. So number five. We have your best interest in mind in all the changes we try to institute. That's great. Yeah. I know that's been something that a few different churches that I've seen and been around you know where there's a lot of change mm-hmm. people can often feel like man can these people get their act together it's like man where's the grace mm-hmm. you know I, i'm like dang is this, this person even a christian because the mm-hmm. way you acting and talking yeah that ain't christ-like like give a dude a break where's the grace extended mm-hmm. to them that is like what god extended to you because mm-hmm. it ain't their partner yeah, yeah. and i ain't got a problem with saying like i'll say it just like what's yeah. up what's up yeah, you know, and if they don't like it, then oh well. That's great. You know, yeah, pastors are don't con- like me. Then pastors hopefully are constantly preaching grace and the gospel, but like you just said, it can 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 it be a part of the entire uh, chemistry of this thing from yeah, both sides? And, and and I would say even to go along with that, as um, changes are being made, like everybody can't be satisfied. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. that's something that yeah, yeah, yeah. challenged me a lot. And I'm still working through that, but I'm a lot better now than I was because I'm always thinking about what I like. Mm-hmm. And it's like it ain't about what I like. You know, what's best for everybody? Yeah. Not what's best for yeah. Lewis. And so yeah. that's what the people that this pastor that wants the congregation know. Well, we got your best mm-hmm. interest in mind. If this ain't the best for you this time, like maybe there's more people mm-hmm. this benefits. Yeah. So you should be happy for that. I remember when kind of the modern worships maybe starting with like the vineyard movement got got happening and worship teams were transitioning from doing just hymns to these modern worship songs okay mm-hmm. in churches and i remember my grandparents who been going to church <laughs> their whole going. life and went to i think even like orthodox very traditional churches and now are part of this kind of uh, community this a grace brethren church um, when the uh, worship team started doing these loud kind of songs, my grandma commented, she said, well, I don't really like this, but it seems like everybody else does, and so it's okay with me. Man, it's for, that's great. She, she says if the younger people like it, oh, I be- believe what she said exactly is that if the younger people like it, we've had our turn. It's their turn now. And that's your grandma? Yeah. Man, you got a yeah. great grandma, yeah. man. Yeah, she passed away several years ago, but that was her attitude. And in <laughs> fact, in her Bible, after she after she died, we found in her Bible this like bookmark, and on it was the lyrics to the song, um, 
the contemporary song at the time, This Is The Air I Breathe, a Michael W. Smith song, wow. right? That's, I don't know who sang it, I think but I know what song I think you're that's the one, one it was. Wow. But, like, she even, you know, kind of started getting into started it. Started getting into that's it. That's dope right But there. that's, that's like, that's the attitude. But that's, that's, that's totally contrary to what I thought you were going to yeah. say. No, I know. Because I, I was know. like, I know where you're going with this, but I, I didn't. Yep. But I think the norm would have been yep. the opposite of yep. that. You know, yep. we got to talk to pastor. Mm-hmm. But he don't want to get right. Well, we're going to stop sending them checks. Yep. <laughs> that's what happens. We're gonna stop supporting these initiatives, <laughs> and then that's a different type of pressure, right? Then it's yeah. like, oh man, yeah, don't yeah. fall into it. Yeah. So that goes into number six, yeah. and these get a little mm, bit dark yeah, before they dark pull, here. before they pull out. Uh, but uh, number six, pastors are completely isolated and alone. Right. Again, this is this person's uh, perspective. And, uh, you know, I have to say that I've seen this over and over again. And I felt like this at times for sh- for sure. Uh, and for for various reasons, because if you I, I guess what seminary <laughs> doesn't prepare you for as well is uh, the politics of the ch- of church life and just flat out. There's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe not in every church. I don't know. But I pretty sure most churches as soon as you're in you just realize how political it is and um the night the naivete wears off quickly when you realize that people do uh threaten with their wallets people do um like for instance i I remember i was a pastor and we had a, a staff of i don't know four or five guys and I was with some great people in the church. They are like leaders in the church, like volunteers, uh, sizable givers, you know. And I was on, on, I was on the same page. They liked me, all right. And so they were just opening up to me about some things, and they started talking about one of the other pastors. So my coworker, in other words. <laughs> like, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we have him in our sights next." Like to pick them off, to mm-hmm. get rid of them? To pick them off. Wow. And uh, because they had done that to another guy before. Man. And I didn't realize it about that other guy, but suddenly in my mind I was like, oh, you're the ones who are responsible for Whoa. that? And now they said they have this other guy in their sights? And that's a direct quote, okay? Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm on your good side right now. What yeah. happens when I'm not? You got to be perfect in their eyes. I'm next they then, gonna get right? You, yeah. So sure enough... That next, that second guy, gone. Sure enough, that's gang. It's like sure, mafia type I know, stuff. Sure man. enough, eventually, except they ain't whacking them; they just firing them. Eventually, um, one, two, three, four, four, may, no, four guys in total gone. Dang. But Dang. The, that's like when congregation members, leaders in the church, you think that you know. And they and they are godly, and they you know, but they still have sinful Man, issues and can gang up on stuff. pastors and and get them fired. So mm. you do, as a pastor, or you kind of you don't want to open up to everyone. You can't. Yeah. You can't share. Uh, well, there's definitely wisdom, right? Like in that. you don't share everything with everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't think that neither one of us agrees with that, right? Yeah. When correct. we talk about pastors like sharing stuff from the stage, like. 
You need to be wise what you share. You need to be wise when you share. And you need to be wise with who you share and mm-hmm. with. But the common denominator with those three is you need to be sharing. With somebody. Yeah, you need yeah. to be sharing. The rut that or the stuck place that you get in, which I sense it's, that this person might have gotten there, and I've gotten there too, okay? So just to uh, morbidly affirm that, is that you think because you can't do it in the certain church specific setting that you can't do with anybody because like what I felt and it snowballed is like, I can't share with anybody like everybody because I had been uh, targeted and abused so much all over, then nobody was safe. So like I had a a friend who was not even a part of that church. I didn't didn't feel he was safe. Counselors, outside counselors, even though they're sworn to secrecy, I didn't feel they were safe because they would, uh, somehow be in the church world and, and spread things, not necessarily even bad things, but mm-hmm. just, you know, common struggles. And then my job would be threatened. And then how would, you know, you pay the bills and you have a family and all, how would you get health insurance and all these these thoughts and you just get so afraid. You get paranoid. Yeah. You honestly get paranoid. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to me, man. So number seven, uh, they have as many or more struggles than most in their churches, but they can't tell anyone anything or they'll lose their jobs. So that kind of speaks to, to what I Yeah. And I almost, I, feel, I almost feel like as I read that, like I would almost want to do it because if I'm serving a church that would fire me because of that, yeah. I don't want to be there anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be around none of them people, man. So it's like, do me a favor mm-hmm. and let me put this out here. Yep. And go ahead and get rid of me. Yep. So that I can know, like, this ain't the guy ain't in none of this. I'm out of here, man. I totally agree. That's the healthy attitude, which a lot of guys, again, including me, didn't have. Because we're, we so live for the reasons we you live, just Yeah, we live by so much fear yeah. that, you know, so a word to you, if, listen to Lewis right now, pastors, if you're hearing this, that if you if you can't be honest and real with somebody if you can't share your struggles if you feel like you have to sneak and hide and and not be yourself then something's wrong you need to get out because it's not going to end well mm-hmm. and also you can survive okay yeah you can survive if, if you get fired if you get let go if you get suspended whatever it doesn't matter yeah, god will, pro- god will provide you, yeah. you can survive don't believe the lie don't believe the second lie that you're doomed, that your family will fall apart, mm-hmm. that you won't be able to provide, that everything will be terrible. Yeah. Don't believe that lie. It won't yeah. be. Honesty is the best policy. Being yep. vulnerable and authentic and real. And, and I think, Sam, this is so relevant now for the reasons we talked about before with all these debacles mm-hmm. that's taking place with all these big name leaders. I think people are leaving the church and then they're they're using this phrase, which I'm kind of unsure of what it really means. Deconstruction. Oh, I mean, yeah. I know what like construction is when you build. Deconstruction yeah. is like demolition. Yep. But I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I want to talk to some people smarter than me, and, and you're one of them to find out how like how do you define deconstruction? Mm-hmm. Because people are looking for some authentic, especially young people. And I don't think they feel like they can find it in big churches Mm -hmm. because that's where these debacles are happening. And so I think that just like a wave took place, I don't know, maybe in the early 80s or late 70s Mm -hmm. with like the Willow Creeks and the out west Mm -hmm. churches that got really big for new things they Mm -hmm. tried. Now the pendulum is swinging back to smaller, more authentic 
where we can be this group of people who love Jesus, who want to serve God. Mm -hmm. And we don't mind putting our junk out there mm -hmm. because we know we all got it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be around a dude that's all buttoned mm -hmm. up and got it together because you fake to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to walk around with fake people. Mm -hmm. I want to walk around with authentic people that are challenging the sin in their lives to try to be all the man and woman that God mm -hmm. has called them to be. And I think pastors need to be included mm -hmm. in that mindset. They should be, they should be thinking, I want to be a leader of a group of people, a shepherd of a flock of sheep mm -hmm. who can be transparent, authentic, and us together as a group charge after doing what the Lord wants mm -hmm. us to do here on earth. And we don't care if we meet in a backyard, in a basement, or in a building. Mm -hmm. We don't care if we're 10, if we're 10 hundred, or if we're 10, mm -hmm. you know, 10,000 is going to get back to the other way of swinging. But let's not be worried and mm -hmm. strategizing about like growing ourselves yeah. bigger. You know, let, let, let's go. Getting, getting rid of that idol will solve a lot of problems. It, yeah, man, it really if will. If you're just man. willing to be humble, humbly serve Christ in a small version of yourself in a small church, you're going to cut through a lot yeah. of that. And if we if we get back to living not of the ways of the world, we don't need, we maybe we can be bivocational. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. maybe, maybe if you're not bivocational, maybe you don't need a ton of people in your church so you can make. Mm -hmm. A lot, mm -hmm. a lot of money so you can live mm -hmm. like the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, be in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. It's going to take both sides to have that attitude. All right, number eight. Most feel like frauds, but if they're honest, it could cost them their jobs and careers. So they keep everything inside and suffer in silence, which kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about. Yeah. Man, like... Dude, it's hard for me to imagine that there is, if there's only one person in this country that's felt these last mm -hmm. few things, man, this made me just want to weep, man. Yeah. yeah. And if there's hundreds of people like oh, this. Oh, there's hundreds. Golly, yeah, there's man. Hundreds. Like, man, like, is that what God called uh, mm -hmm. a, a pastor to be? Mm -hmm. To feel this way, mm -hmm. to experience this? It does help you understand some of Paul's. <laughs> The things that he writes to the Corinthians, for instance, you know, that that back and forth and how he's uh, very uh, yeah, but, forthright at times and very, you know, just wrestling with them. Yeah, but but it's, it, to me, I feel like it's kind of what you just said about doing things a different way will cut out a lot of the yeah. problem. Oh, yeah. And so I feel like a lot of this stuff is self-inflicted. Mm -hmm. You know, why, why do we have to have a church that looks like the way it looks mm -hmm. right now? Yeah. And Why? that's not just a question for pastors. That's a question for congregation it's members everybody. too. Yeah, it's a like, question for everybody. Yeah, do you as a congregation member really need a church that looks but, like... But, but doesn't the leadership yeah. set the expectation? Or is it the other way around? Do people gather together and say, Hey, Sam, come be our pastor well, and do it just like this. Or do you say, most, I'm starting a church and this is what it's going to yeah, look no, like. Come to my church. Most often, it's the, the first one. Most often, you guys come into a church setting that... They've been around for decades, and they this is the way we do things. And and if you're going to be our pastor, basically this is the way we do things, and we expect you to keep doing them that way. Yeah, but but what I've experienced is if you're at a church mm -hmm. and you feel the Lord, Lord call you to pastor a church, what's the first thing you're gonna do? You're gonna get education, okay? Right? I'm not I'm not well, skipping yeah, past yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying don't do that, yeah. but I'm just saying that's the that's the mm. first thing everybody's gonna go do. They're gonna go to Moody or they're gonna go to mm. Wheaton College. They're gonna go to Bible degree somewhere. Maybe if you grew up Pentecostal or some other denomination, you'll go to their mm -hmm. their college and their seminary, mm -hmm. right? 
But then the next thing you're probably going to do if you're going to be another church like the one you were in and they're going to send you, you're going to look just like they looked. Yeah. And even if you go to say, I went to seminary and Bible college and I want to plant my own church, you can't just go rent a building by yourself. Yeah. I guess you can invite people to your living room and say, hey, guys, you want to mm -hmm. join me for Bible study? But you're going to. So that'll be you drumming the interest mm -hmm. up versus the ascending church. But if you drum the interest up, what is it going to look like? It's probably going to look like what you just left. Yeah. So my my point is, like, why does it have to be like that? Mm -hmm. Where is it in the Bible that says you got to sing four songs in the morning and one closing <laughs> song? What if you sing all the songs at the end and don't sing none in the beginning? Yeah. What if you do half the message and then sing four or five songs mm -hmm. and then do the rest or another? Mm -hmm. Where is the recipe for it? Yeah. It's, Why does it got to be all the yeah, same? That's that's a great point. And you're saying it doesn't have to be. Well, yeah. I don't think the Bible gives us the recipe yeah. for what it looks no. like. I think there's elements the Bible yeah. tells us should be there. Worship with the word, oh, worship yeah, with yeah. song, worship yeah. with prayer, fellowship. That needs to be there. But how it, it translates mm -hmm. into happening. And even the very elements themselves determine, well, will kind of determine the expectations too. Like, for instance, if you have five contemporary worship songs okay boom right there you need a guy who can play the guitar someone who can play the drums you need excellent you know versus what if you don't have any of those kinds of songs what if there's a choir what if there's you know what kind of well i can i can tell you this i've been to willow creek in barrington which is was and maybe still is considered a mega church not the biggest church but a mega church. Mm -hmm. I've been to other large churches and I can tell you, and, and I'm talking about when they're worship, dude, it's like concert level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. And I'm not, oh, I'm yeah, not saying sure. anything bad about that. Yeah. Like it's excellent. Yeah. I don't think if Olivia Newton, John or if yeah. Adele was singing that the quality, <laughs> maybe the quality of singing would be better, but the, yeah. pro, the production, there ain't nothing higher yeah. quality. Right. And it's great, but I can tell you the sweetest sound I've ever heard in my life mm. was in a prison. Now, it didn't mean matter that it's in a prison, Preach but it's it. a bunch of broken mm -hmm. voices bonded together mm -hmm. with their hearts behind their words and their cracking vocal cords mm -hmm. singing together to God. Man, that's the sweetest sound I've ever heard, man. Just drop that mic right there. So, that's you know, so powerful. All this, like, yep. I, this stuff is just, it, you know, it makes me mad, man. It don't yeah. make me mad. Yeah. It disappoints me. No, we pastors get in this place and they get caught and it's that's because they do what they yeah, see yeah. they do what yeah. they've experienced and then the willow creeks are piped over the world and so suddenly everyone has this expectation that worship needs to be this way yeah if and they, I, if and they I could only see yeah and i don't want worship, and i don't want to knock nobody yeah. you know what i mean so we're not like being negative towards anybody like how far be it from us to say what God said do yeah. if God said don't do it we can count on what the word of God says right if it's sin we can call it sin if it's not hey yeah. if God said do that more power to you if he told me to do something different I'm gonna focus on me and what I'm doing and let you do what you do and if you out there bad God will take mm -hmm. care of you if I'm out there bad God gonna take mm -hmm. care of me but I'm just my point is that it don't have to be all the same man yeah. it can be different yeah And I think authenticity, realness, I think this idea, I think that there's going to be a whole lot less people in heaven than what we think. Mm. And when I say a whole lot, if we think it's going to be a million, it's going to be like 50,000 mm. or 10,000, mm -hmm. like a whole lot less. 
Just because you see thousands of people going to a church, that don't mean they have mm -hmm. true biblical gospel accepted salvation, mm -hmm. man. Yeah. Many are called. Few are chosen. Fusing, few come. <laughs> few are chosen. No, few. Uh, yeah, that's it. All right. All right, go to the Let's next Let's go one. to number nine. All this right. This is a huge one. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Their wives feel, so we're talking about wives now, wives, their wives feel an equal or worse sense of isolation because they sense their husband's aloneness and can do nothing to help. So the whole pastor's wife thing, I mean, that's just, that's all you have to say. That's a, that's a huge, uh, it's a huge uh, burden and opportunity for yeah. growth for everyone. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that's unique, and I, and I know very little about this because mm -hmm. I, I didn't grow up in church. I got introduced to church when I was in prison. And so that's a different context than out here. Um, but different ethnic ethnicities and different cultures kind of do things differently. Mm -hmm. So like in the black church, like a lot of pastors, wives, especially the head honcho, mm -hmm. like they got a title for her. And that's the first lady. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, this is the president of the United States. <laughs> ain't the, ain't like the president's yeah, wife yeah. called for, you know, yeah. so it's almost like, like that culture, like, Cultural things rub me the wrong way, mm -hmm. especially when it leads to idol worship and unbiblical mm -hmm. um, practices. And I think it's just sin, mm -hmm. man. Yeah, you know that, and that's not I, across the board. That's in churches, where, 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 no matter the denomination or culture. Well, yeah, because another culture could like leave their wife like in the dark yeah. somewhere, like you don't even know they're married. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. it's all about yeah. me, and you ain't nothing. This yeah. is my thing. So yeah. to me, both extremes are not right. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something when God calls a husband to the ministry, if he's married, it's not just him. It's his family mm. and his wife, I believe, is right there with him. Arm should be arm and arm. Mm. Whether she leads a Bible study or does anything more than a congregant doesn't matter, you know, because the two have become one. So she's just much a part of ministry, but she shouldn't be celebrated. Mm. Like none of it. What, what are these? What are what's any man to be celebrated about? Mm. Other than Christ, he's the one that is worthy celebration, yeah. not there, us. There's a lot. There's a lot behind this that I'm starting. To, I'm starting to twitch uh, about <laughs> when it comes to wives and families because, because uh, yeah, we, but, we we've been through it with that. We've had I've had um, the elder, my my wife not an employee not an employee of the church, but we've had the elder board uh, sit her down before and reprimand her for her you know, performance as a pastor's wife mm, during the wow. past year and uh, re really dishing it out to her when, you know, she's a mom of an infant and, you know, yeah. it's just, but she's not working the halls enough, not leading it up, not, you know, despite the fact that she was doing very well, you know, serving in the church, mm -hmm. but people's expectations and the fishbowl that they put you in. I've had people say to me or to like about kids even like oh your son's you know he's a pastor son why wasn't he at this event that event yeah. you know and that for a kid to have to go through I mean it's one thing for the wife but for the kid that's just totally totally unfair and um, yeah no, I agree really, I agree man really hurts the family and so yeah like to just to honor the, the the question or the statement that the wives feel an equal or worse sense of isolation because they since their husband's alone, this can do nothing to help. Like I can't like if the husband's in pain, then the wife's in pain mm -hmm. and vice versa. So, you know, I guess the congregation needs to know when you're scrutinizing or belittling the pastor, 
you're also doing it to his wife. Mm-hmm. And I would say his kids too, because it's affecting mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And it's, vice versa. It's affecting dad and it trickles to mom yeah. and it trickles to yeah. the kids, man. Or when they're um the congregation talking bad about the wife or the kids they're affecting the pastor. Like yeah, without a yeah, no matter yeah. which end, yeah. if you was talking the, the the head or the tail, the tail yeah. being like the younger, yeah. it's still translates. And then to for all. like I talked with another pastor uh this week and People like say, why don't you share more personal stories about your kids and that during services, during sermons? And he's like, I'm not going to do that uh, because it all it, it's it's just not healthy and helpful. Because then, like, if he shares a story about his his kid, then every interaction then from then on p- between personal interaction between him and his kids, the kids are wondering, are you just doing this thing for me just so you can talk about it in a mm. sermon? Like, are you using me right now? Yeah. And the kids think that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a real thing. I know pastors that, that they ask their children, hey, can I share this? And they mm-hmm. share with me like the kids said, no, and they did. Yeah. So I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right? that's Not good. to alienate their children. Yeah, that's you good. Know? Yeah. Um, and even if you do like, hey, I got a friend. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> then you know it's you, right? I got a friend whose son did this. Yeah, whether it's good or bad or yeah, just neutral, yeah, yeah. You, you just yeah. And it's not a platform, which kind of goes to one of these later. Yeah. You know what the platform for church is for? What true, yeah. You know, it's not Correct. for you to necessarily be talking about all your family's exploits yeah. and vacations. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's bad, but but to me, it's being considerate, mm-hmm. right? If I'm a pa- lot of times, I've I've pa- friends with pastors. And, you know, churches will have different levels of affluency or lack thereof in it, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times pastors will reap the benefits of congregants who have means that they have a second or third home. Yeah. Or they yeah. have these things and they they freely give to yep. let it joy. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. But then when you kind of put these things out there in a sermon... When you may have some people that they they can't take a vacation, so for they instance, struggle to put gas in their car. So a, a wealthy person blesses the past pastor, saying, "You can go to my home in Florida or to whatever." Mm-hmm. And then during a sermon, the pastor mentions that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, so I'm just thinking, like, how can I be considerate yeah. of everyone in the congregation, right? Because you're gonna have a mix of people, mm-hmm. right? Some with means, and some that mm-hmm. might be barely making ends meet, if that much, mm-hmm. right? And so. You know, we should be happy that a person should be able to do something like this. But sometimes when you don't have it, it's hard to be happy for somebody that ha- yeah, that does. For sure. You know, so you don't have to. You can. There's enough content in the Bible to preach a sermon uh-huh. and enough yeah. stuff in the world that you don't have to put your personal mm-hmm. stuff out there. And again, I've done it. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying it's bad. But I'm saying to try to be considerate mm-hmm. of people when you're selecting yeah. your stories or incidents or whatever it is, because you don't want to alienate yeah. anyone. Yeah. Think think harder. Be more creative. Read more. You'll you'll come up with other kinds of illustrations in that. Yeah. Okay. Number ten. Go ahead. They can also talk to anyone. They also can't talk to anyone because churches are filled with gossip. <laughs> you're never gonna escape that, man. Yeah. You're not going to ever escape yeah. it, you know. So, I, you know, I hear that, and that's unfortunate mm-hmm. that that's true. But, again, we can't be led by fear. I think mm-hmm. so many of these things are fear, 
fear-based. Yeah. You know, I'm scared of what's going to happen if I do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if you were to get a piece of paper and write down the pros and cons, and maybe that's not a good idea because maybe there'll be more cons than there are pros, right? But to me, there's got to be mm -hmm. some benefits, right? If, the, if a benefit of putting your junk out there or talking to somebody about something, mm -hmm. if a, a con is they'll gossip, people will hate me, they'll stop mm -hmm. giving and stop mm -hmm. going to church. Those are not good things. Mm -hmm. But if the benefit is other people will see me as being human, mm -hmm. they will pray for me specifically. Mm -hmm. They'll show me compassion mm -hmm. and it'll make our our church closer mm -hmm. together. I'll take this hand over this hand 10 and, times out of 10. And truth will be on my side. Yes. Yes. And that's where that's where pastors, I think, get caught and hung up because they look at this other hand and say these are all and they are big things i could get fired you know all these things could happen yeah those are bad but guess what they are not nearly as bad as going against god going against the truth not being authentic those other things are, are far more damaging and that's comes in a previous conversation that we have we've had before that the fear of consequences mm-hmm we um you but you can get through consequences. Yeah, you can get man. You, you guys can get through them. You guys, child. Yeah, you cannot get through a uh, 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 hardened conscience. You cannot get through going against the truth. You won't be able to face that. Yeah. but you can face your consequences. Amen. Amen, yep. brother. That's right. Preach. Number right. eleven. Go ahead. That I get feedback from every side. If you have a complaint, I've probably heard. I love this one. Okay. So he says that I get feedback from every side. If you have a complaint, I've probably heard the exact opposite complaint this past week. All right. It's so true. You know, you're, you're walking out of a service and some person comes up to you and says, you know, I love the fact that you said this or that we're doing this. You know, they're all smiles. You walk three feet in this direction. Another person comes and That's says, "It's a terrible idea. I hate it. I'm gonna, Why are you doing I'm this? I'm going to stop giving. I'm going to this is the exact opposite." Yeah. And then the next person is a third thing, and you didn't even th think a third yeah. way was possible. Yeah, you but know, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I've had to learn, and I'm still learning. Just as my wife, that you don't have to say everything you think. Hmm. And your opinion only matters to you. That's why we have a podcast. We can. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm still I'm still holding back some stuff yeah. just in case you didn't know. All right, number um number twelve. I love this one. I'm not too busy for you. Too many times people say I didn't want to bother you. I took this job because of you. Please reach out, mm. man. You know what? That is. You know what? Put that on the screen. Yeah. For real, because I'm saying I think that and. I, in a sense, know better, mm -hmm. but I still feel yeah, that way. we assume that the pastor's too busy. Yeah. yeah. And if everybody assumes that, then maybe that first one about you only work an hour a week, maybe he does only work an hour a week because nobody's having coffee, nobody's complaining, yeah. nobody needs counseling because we all think that you're too busy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't want to make light of that. But, yeah, I think um, that's good because people are hurting. And um, they should they should know, and I think it needs to. I think it needs to come from the stage often that I I'm I'm, I'm yeah, the yeah. shepherd, and I love you. Yeah. And yeah. look at people in the audience. I love yeah. you. Yeah. I am here for you. Yeah. And, Seriously. And maybe pastors, you can um, 
refrain or minimize all the activities that you have to do. You still got to let people know that you're busy, but talk more about the ways that you have helped people this week or been involved in their lives and that so people can say, oh, it could be me. You know, he has time for me too if he has time for those other people. Yep, yep. You know, he's not too busy with all these activities he's always talking about. Yeah, see, I didn't say this earlier and I wasn't because we kind of moved on, but I'm going to say it now. But when you talked earlier about all that list of stuff Mm -hmm. you got over there, that, that a pastor has to do, it reminded me of my time in Momentum where Pastor Colin Smith was teaching us, and he said his the three things he mentioned was prophet, priest, and king. That's <laughs> so right? good. So I, I, and he oh, went, I, I, I love came, that guy. I, I don't know where, where did he go to, like Ecclesiastes or First oh. Kings? He went somewhere in the Old Testament and broke it down. I was like, dang, this dude just be breaking it down. <laughs> But you know the prophet the, is the king would be the administrator leadership. Yeah, yep. The priest would be the people section, yep. and the prophet would be the word section. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I just that that always stuck with me, man, because it's so good. So it was good. like that dude, dope, man. He dope. <laughs> if you listen, man, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Um, thirteen. Thirteen. It's so important to keep worship services Christ centered. There's a temptation today to use the worship service to make a statement about every political and news event. We'll have to do that on occasion, but worship services ultimately need to be about Jesus. When we lose that focus, we cease being a church, and instead, we just become a nonprofit. Mm. I mean, that's a drop the mic right there. Mm-hmm. And it's like people want to hear about this stuff. And it's like, I think I think people want to hear about this stuff because they want to know. Some people want to argue. Some people want to get on their soapbox. But I think those are the few. I think the many want to know what's the right thing to think and what's the right thing to do. And so I kind of I agree with this, but I feel like there needs to be something created. For those that don't want to just give their opinion and be on their soapbox, and for those that just want to argue, if you could eliminate those people and get to the greater part, people want to know what to believe. Mm. Like from the Bible, how do I think? How do Mm. I respond? How Mm. do I live? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, they wouldn't be asking about this Mm. stuff, except the ones that want to argue and the ones that want to get up there and share their views. The main part about the worship service is Christ-centeredness. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. Yeah, That's yep, so helpful. Yep. So this particular hour of our week has to be about this thing. All those other things, yep. yeah, we're going to have to come up with some programs or classes or groups or ways of addressing those. But this worship service is about Christ. Yep. That's what's most important. Amen. And Amen. It's, it's like saying um, we have all this we have all this food in the grocery store, right? But this trip right now needs to be about getting you some meat and some potatoes. Mm, that's right, my favorite. And some water. Like that's uh, what you need uh, in order to in order to survive. Okay, yeah, we're not going to make it about other things. That's right. No, that's right, man. I yeah. mean, it's got to be. That's what that's what the service is for, man. It's about Jesus and yeah. lifting Him high. Yep. You know, proclaim He's His the word. He's meat and potatoes. Or, he is, or man. The bread and the wine. He is, man. He all yeah. of that and a bag of chips. <laughs> That's you know, true. All of that Annabelle. And that's He's what it's got to be for. Amen, amen. <laughs> Do number 14. We can't cover everything in the worship service. There are some important discipleship themes that are better covered uh, one-on-one over coffee. There are some important trainings that are better done in a Sunday school class. 
the worship service can't cover every topic. And to that end, just because we don't talk about something in a worship service doesn't mean we don't care. Again, we just can't say everything in a worship service. That flows right from the last one. Yeah, it does. Very man. good. That is good. This this person is a good thinker. Yep. A good writer and somebody that gets it. That's what I would say. Yeah. You know, because that's right on the money. Right yeah. There. Money. You wrote money, yeah. money, money. And it sounds like he's not. It sounds like he's acknowledging the kind of stumbling blocks and then the fearful things. He's kind of nodding yeah. to those, but he's not letting those things dictate what he's going to be about. He's yeah. coming from a, a position of strength rather than... Yeah, and I mean specifically the worship service because both of these are about the worship service. Mm. So he's not saying, hey, this stuff you want to talk about is meaningless and I don't want to hear it. Yeah. He's saying it's, it has value. It needs to be and should be talked about, but not at a worship service. Mm-hmm. That's not the time and not the place for it, mm-hmm. you know. And so, that, and I go back to what I said before. Like, if if you're getting this feedback enough from people that are seeking this, you educate mm-hmm. them that this ain't the time and place. But maybe you ought to think about creating a time and place yeah. because yeah. If this is the body. This is your flock. They're saying, I'm tired of water. I want some cherry peps and some cherry Dr. Pepper sometime. <laughs> Not all the time, but every now and then make it rain on yeah. me, but give me something sweet, <laughs> you know? And so maybe it's good to create a time yeah. where we can say, hey, as a as a church body, yeah. we want to address yeah. these things. And we're not going to bring opposing views up. We're going to mm. look at scripture, see what scripture mm. says. And as a body, this is what we mm. believe the word of God is telling mm. us to do and how it's telling us to respond. Mm-hmm. And just like on a Sunday morning, if you don't align with our doctrine or our theology, maybe this ain't the church for you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't align with this stuff and, and that's OK, it's OK. You know, which is, you know, one of the things that that isn't on here that if I was a pastor and I know pastors that have gone through this is it's, it's twofold. One, somebody has an issue and you just say, poof, be gone. Like, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, it didn't work out. Like, oh, yeah, find yeah. a better church. Yeah. That's straight bogus right there. You don't fit in my cake mix. Yeah, but you, you should be loving that person. Yeah. You should be concerned with that one wanting to leave. Yeah. But after you're concerned, after you've loved on them, mm-hmm. if it comes to, hey, it just makes more sense mm-hmm. that we part ways mm-hmm. then it be done amicably mm-hmm. i think i don't know if i can pronounce that right but it should be done like where both people feel good mm-hmm. there's no hard feelings and there's not going to be any backbiting by this person mm-hmm. leaving i've experienced that a ton yeah, yeah. a ton because, people will leave and the person they say la vie yeah. peace yeah. don't let the doorknob hit you with a good lord yeah. split you it's like yeah. dang dog yeah. this is one of the flock yeah you don't care and then there's even continued gossip around that you yes. need to be able to get it out at that moment, you know, be honest in yeah. that moment about your uh, disagreement, and yeah. then leave it all there, and, yeah. and then go your separate ways. Yep. If you yep. And I would, it. and I would say just to make sure that you're not like sinning, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it would be intentional always, but to make sure that there may not be any sin, take two or three other leaders with you that's in the church, mm-hmm. and not just staff people, mm-hmm. respected people by you and the congregation to sit in mm-hmm. with these people to hear what's mm-hmm. going on. You know what I mean? And that's yep. putting protection on you. Yep. Right? Because now you got other people present to say, hey, look, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. I love this person. My heart is broken that they chose to leave and I did what mm-hmm. I could do. Mm-hmm. But they just chose it was better to leave. Mm-hmm. And if they leave in a bad way, 
Mm-hmm. Then they need to they need to repent probably. And am I as a pastor? Am I crazy? Like catch me on my blind yes, spots? Because maybe I'm tripping. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe I'm tripping, yeah. man. Yeah. So and again, it's to to me, it's a lack of wisdom mm-hmm. and it's really a lack of maturity. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm the wisest or mature person. Mm-hmm. Trust me, but I think that if you're leading people. You need to have some wisdom and you better have some maturity. You ain't going to be super mature. There's going to be growing pains. That's why you surround yourself with other godly men and women. Because maybe areas you lack, they don't. And when you put it together, it makes Kool-Aid, sugar, and cherry mix. Peanut butter and jelly. What are some, perfect combination. What are some other, what are some solutions? So we've heard from congregations we want, who want uh, pastors to be more vulnerable and open for instance we've heard from pastors who say if we do we feel afraid in that what are what are any solutions to any of these man that you've thought about you know that's i don't know man something that came to mind uh this week for me was this um something that i read about uh, from like some of the early church reformers like john calvin for instance that there used to be during the worship service a time of of confession in the sense of of kneeling as well, but not just the congregation kneeling and confessing, the pastor kneeling and confessing too. Now, the congregation wouldn't hear everything the pastor's saying, you know, sure. obviously. But the point is that you're you're sitting there or you're kneeling there in a church, and if, in the front you see your pastor turn to face the altar, the cross, kneel down, mm-hmm. look up to God, and confess his yeah. sins. And that's a part, I think that's that's very powerful. So mm, then amen. you can see, okay, he is a real person. He is obviously broken. He's kneeling. He's humbling himself. Yep. I can... I can see that yep. versus um, a lot of times today we just see the pastor come in with uh, strength. You know, he's good looking. He speaks well. There's lights and all this. And it's that doesn't convey that. Um, well, some, sometimes they don't come in the room until the music's done or yeah. the announcements. And then when they get done, they leave and yeah. go in the yeah. green room. You don't even yeah. see them no more. Yeah. It's as if <laughs> it's as if they're God, really. Yeah, not that they're one of us. It's like that dude, the Wizard of Oz, behind the curtain, exactly. right? Like he comes exactly. behind the curtain and exactly. talk for a little while, and exactly. he go back behind the curtain and sit in the big high chair. Th- this is huge. I think this is huge. <laughs> Whether it's a church service or other events, just the the God. I mean, the pastor who swoops in, oh, Freudian slip, <laughs> who swoops in and just does his thing, and then versus the one who everyone knows he's one of us. He's confessing like we are. He's worshiping like we are. Yeah. He, he's here. Uh, on our same level, God is the big deal. Uh, that's yeah. a way more authentic yeah. position. That's good. That's good. I think that, you know, just what comes to my mind is after trying to think back to those weeks of the stuff that the congregation mm-hmm. wished their pastor knew and now doing this week is that, man, we're dealing with broken people. That is a common denominator yeah. with both of these groups. Yeah. Leaders in the church, congregants, broken people yeah. in need of a savior. Mm-hmm. That's a facts, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's just something that's always in me that feels like this dynamic of hierarchy that exists is part of a major problem, you know, because the only thing that's separating is a gift that's God given. Mm -hmm. And one is highlighted more Mm -hmm. because you're on the stage by yourself. Right. And so we in our brokenness, like I don't respect any pastor any more than I respect you. 
or any more than I respect somebody mm-hmm. else that somebody that's locked up that's a Christian. Just because I don't, man. Just because this pastor has a quote preaching gift. Yeah, he, I he mean, can talk well. Yeah, why? Why yeah. should I respect this person and treat this person different? Mm-hmm. Why? If somebody, if you, if you listening and you know the answer and you can show me biblically, I'm at least willing to listen. Mm-hmm. I can't promise I will agree, and I don't know everything. So maybe you'll enlighten me and you'll show me where I'm wrong. And I'm willing to say I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but until I'm shown biblically that I am wrong, mm-hmm. this is where I stand. Mm-hmm. And I think that this power dynamic, and that's what I'm specifically calling it, a power dynamic mm-hmm. exists. And it's the congregation, it's, it's, it's both people's fault. Mm-hmm. It's the congregation's fault and it's the leadership's fault. Mm-hmm. The congregation needs to constantly be re- reminded by this person's humanity and them not acting in such a way to put themselves on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. But the congregation don't need to be putting you there. Mm-hmm. And you over yeah. here that's on the pedestal need to constantly be reminded, man, I'm just like you. Yeah. But guess what, man? God gave me this thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't even ask for mm-hmm. it. He gave it to me. And, and I want to be obedient. And I want to use the mm-hmm. thing. And I'm getting edified from it just like I hope mm-hmm. you are. And we can grow together in this. And let's mm-hmm. love one another. Mm-hmm. And don't look at me any type of way. And I don't want to look at you mm-hmm. any type of way. Then we're brothers and sisters in yeah. Christ. And let's move forward. And yeah. I want to respect you. And I hope you respect me. And let's let's do this thing mm-hmm. together as the mm-hmm. body until we hit the dirt. And then we go to heaven mm-hmm. and do what's next. Amen. I heard, probably to close now, uh, I heard uh, Pastor Tim Bailey is his name, on a podcast um, today. And he was making the argument um what the Reformation in the 1500s was really about. And he admits it was about uh, reforming the Catholic Church in the sense of sola scriptura, sola scriptura, sola, sola faith, faith alone in that. But he said ultimately what he believed it was about was the pastors at the time recognizing that their congregations needed a shepherd. And they needed a personal shepherd who would care for them more than the system. <laughs> More than you know, the, mm-hmm. the big, the big church, the hierarchy, all of that. That what the Reformation was really about, what really sustained it and got it going, was suddenly pastors would turn back towards the congregation, love on them, shepherd them, and, and the people could hear the gospel, could hear the word, get cared for personally, and have that uh, intimate, authentic relationship. And I think that's probably if we're gonna have any other kind of Reformation in this. Uh, post Mars Hill mm. podcast church, you know this world that we're living in. Maybe that's just it. It it needs to be a turning of the congregation from whatever they were turned towards, and the pastor from whatever he was turned toward back towards each other, so that they can move, like you said, as a group together forward until they hit the dirt. Yeah, mm. man. Woo, it's a lot, <laughs> and this has been probably the longest podcast we've ever done. So. Hey, y'all got some extended minutes, you know? So that's a yeah, good thing bonus. for our fans, our four or five fans out there. You got extra. <laughs> so, no, nah, but man, thank you guys for listening um, and joining us today. Hopefully, this has been some benefit. Hopefully, we didn't offend anyone. Uh, I'm always, um, there's always potential for me to do that. I can't speak for Sam. And so if I have, I want to apologize, so let me know. I offend. But I'm not, I'm not going to apologize <laughs> if I don't know if I did I offend people just <laughs> just by being me. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. We two peas in the same pie. Yep. We just one a little lighter and one a little darker. One a little fatter and one a little skinnier. So you need to lose some weight, brother. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, man, it's been a joy. If you want to talk to us, you can email us at bumperstickerfaith at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. 
if you want to become a member of this crazy crew yeah. and you want to become a lifer then you can do that man and that means contributing a little bit of money to help us mm -hmm. be able to make changes to things good changes to maybe add equipment to mm -hmm. maybe get more bigger bumper stickers i got like the little bitty yeah, i got the tiny one i'm trying to get the one to cover up the whole center of the back of your window <laughs> you know so everybody can see that they be on one but um it's a blessing always to i feel like we're serving mm -hmm. at least that's my attitude a blessing to serve you all if you got any topics um send them yeah. to us or like us on the place where you listen to us YouTube mm. and your, your favorite podcast place and until we meet again don't go listening to nothing <laughs> that's full of bumper sticker <laughs> God peace. bless y'all peace